Okay, we're going to go on to our ninth and final story. And I, I barely recognize him. If anybody who was on the last Zoom would remember, uh, Paul Hutchinson. Um, his amazing uh, lockdown hairdo has now become, actually it is, a, it's, a style, it's a stylish look. So uh, we're delighted to see him. Uh, it's actually, I suppose, a, a summer shearing. Would that be accurate, Paul? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I will now hand over to Paul. After the story, we'll have a bit of information for you, so don't be rushing off, and we'll also give you a chance to shout out a big hello to everybody. Okay, so take it away, Paul. As the story goes, as spun by my mother, I had just returned, age four, from a family holiday on the Isle of Man, where my father's sister Sheila lived. And on this island, Idle, the sun had shone, and shorts had been worn, and I had quoting my mother, a lovely tan on my lovely long legs. That's the sort of encouragement every young boy needs. The story continues as told by my mother in the same summer, another holiday, but this time as the family owned, at the family owned bungalow at Ballyvester on the road between Malile and Donegadee, which was a wreck of a shack that held fond family memories for my mother. My dad hated the place and so was often absent when we were there. And so it was on a certain fatherless trip to the beach, my mother spied a poster for a beauty contest for children, girls and boys aged five and under. She noted the date of the event the next day and the time 11 a.m. I have no recollection of seeing the poster. I have only my mother's memory and her recounting of the events. There's a black and white photograph of me in shorts around that time. I have curly, light brown hair. I have a broad, toothy smile. I have not yet broken my front teeth in an accident, after which I would be reluctant to smile for any camera, resistant to showing my teeth to anyone, including the dentist. It is hard to discern from this black and white image if my legs were indeed brown and I would have described my legs not as lovely. I would have to depend on my mother's truth, take her at her word, but there is a twofold trouble in this kind of mother trusting. You want to trust your mother and you can't completely trust your mother. I mean, I could always depend on my mother having a positive bias towards me. I mean, she was always saying, and I do mean always, that I was very handsome, beautiful even, and that at that time, age four, I had a lovely tan on my lovely long legs. In other words, she was blind to me, or she could see me like no one else. She was dazzled by me, her firstborn after many missed carriages. Her delight in me buoyed her up in a life of slender certainties. I have no recollection of being asked and no view if at that age I would have said yes or no. But the next day, my mother had decided we, meaning I, was entering the beauty contest. So after washing myself that morning, my mother washed me again. My face, hands and legs. Did I struggle, wriggle, complain at my mother's ministrations? Did my mother regularly rewash me at that time? Was I a dirty little cherub? 
My mother does not remember my reaction to this second baptism because she always wants to get to the main event, the peak, the crowning glory of the story. She is impatient to get to the punchline. And so in my mother's movie reel, her mother reel, a new dimension of preparation for the beauty contest comes into play. To boost my already tanned body, my mother applies a fake tanning agent to my legs, arms and face to give me that extra edge in the under fives beauty contest at Ballyvester, Northern Ireland. Did I look like a stretched Oompa Loompa in tiny shorts? I would certainly have stood out. So as the story unspools, when my makeup is applied and my teeth cleaned and sandals polished, no socks, we slowly and with purpose walked the quiet lane from the bungalow down to the beach where the event was taking place. It was the summer of 1968 and students in Belgrade, Paris, London, Berkeley, Peking and Belfast were revolting, growing restless at their lot but none of this is apparent on the grass verge above the beach on the road between Donagadi and Malal and the place called Bali Vester. You may not have heard that name before. Bali Vester, remember it. It will become a refrain in this story. Anyway, in the retelling, my mother gallops the gist of the story at this point, offering no remarks on other competitors, having no recall, how could you not, as to whether or not we did a catwalk, strutted our under five legs with mine so brown and shiny, turned for the judges, one of whom would, in my imagination, have held a clipboard. Did I pout as I passed the judges to show my flair for the beauty contest catwalk? I do not know because my mother merely gets to the end of the story by announcing, and you won. Which is all you want to hear if this is an affirming, life-giving anecdote from childhood. And you won, my mother would say as she told the story and her face would open into this genuinely proud smile for her son's achievement. Not just her thinking that I was beautiful, but external validation of this irrefutable parent fact, a certification from strangers that I was indeed beautiful. And because of this beauty, I had been crowned Mr. Ballyvester on the grass verge above the beach in the summer of 1968, while students across the world protested about government, power and authority. I was Mr. Ballyvester. The prize, apart from the honour, was a £5 post office voucher, what they used to call a postal order, which I later put toward a new bicycle, so I am told. I can only recall the story my mother told. I was told this story every, and I mean every time we went to the bungalow at Ballyvester, every time we went to Malayal or Donegadee, every time there was any type of beauty contest on TV, which at that time mostly consisted of females and swimwear. I was even reminded of my victory when we watched Croft's dog show on the telly. Speaking of good walkers, 
my mother would say, do you remember when you won Mr. Ballyvester as she smiled at a poodle walking by its owner? And then one day, still curious about the story of my coronation, I asked my mother for more details. She seemed hesitant. Was this because she couldn't remember or merely that she preferred the two-line anecdote format over a detail-heavy epic? On pushing further at the door into our past, my mother reluctantly revealed that there had been only one other boy in the competition, that he was a toddler, and that he was, and I quote, no competition. But there were lots of girls in the beauty contest, all in summer dresses and their hair all made up. She also did the usual lovely legs mantra, but I wanted more. Could I not believe that I was once beautiful, that I had once been crowned Mr. Ballyvester? I kept going, gently probing for concrete details. My mother started to look even more unsettled. Was I reaching interrogation mode? Was my tone overly insistent, aggressive? I couldn't tell. Is there anything more you can tell me, I said, in as calm a voice as I could summon. She looked away, looked to the floor, touched a piece of fluff on the floor with her foot, and then she said, you didn't win. I didn't win. I didn't win. It wouldn't sink in. This light conversation about a funny childhood moment now felt like a heavy burden. My mother, noticing my jaw on the floor, picking up dust, said, but you came second. And then she paused. And then she said, but you should have won. And then she paused. And then she said, a wee girl in ringlets won it, but you were far more handsome than her. And then she paused. And then she said, you came second and you should have won. I looked at her, shocked trying to choose my words, trying to fathom this twist in my mother's tale. And then I slowly, carefully said, if coming second got the title Mr. Ballyvester, what did first prize get called or crowned or whatever? My mother looked at me and said, you really did have lovely tanned legs. And then she said, I made the Mr. Ballyvester bit up. What? I wanted you to win. I gave you a title. So there was no Mr. Ballyvester? No. And so I was never Mr. Ballyvester? Right. And I came second? Yes. Why did you lie to me? It wasn't really a lie. You came second and I wanted to give you a title and you should have won, so I gave you a title. How many times have you told me that I was Mr. Ballyvester? A lot. What else have you told me that isn't true? I said to my mother, which is not the sort of question you want to ever ask your mother, especially if your mother has repeatedly told you that you were beautiful, that you had won a beauty contest, but you hadn't really. I had never been healed, Mr. Ballyvester. What now in a life without a crown? Woo! <laughs> 